Welcome to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke. Today's guest is L.A. Blulius. He is a certified hypnotist who specializes in past life regression and was trained by Dr. Brian Weiss. He helps people overcome limiting beliefs and past life patterns, including phobias, as well as identifying the people that we have incarnated with lifetime after lifetime. Ellie, welcome to the show. Johnny, it's good to be with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Trained by Dr. Brian Weiss, and you studied at the Michael Newton Institute. Oh, my. Both men were pretty much giants in the field of past life research. How did you find yourself on this path? So it started when I was about 13 years old. My mother gave me a book that Brian Weiss had written, and that started my interest in past life regression. But when I turned 18, I lost my parents, and I sought out a hypnotist just to try something. I really had no idea what I was walking into, but I wound up doing a past life regression with this person. And it's exactly what I needed at the time. I had an experience where I actually was able to connect with my parents who had passed on. And it was a very, very emotional experience for me, but one that was very healing as well, too. So that, that left an impression on me, as you might imagine. And later on in life, when I had an opportunity to study hypnosis and then eventually study past life regression and life between lives regression, I took that opportunity and it became my life's calling. Okay, so your first experience or foray into that realm was as a sitter, as a subject, not a practitioner. Correct, correct. This is a very touchy subject, obviously. I had no idea that you lost your parents and did a past life regression and actually make contact. What was it like? And was there some kind of evidential thing that came forward or came through that convinced you that was them? Yeah, there's a couple of things that came through. First of all, it was very not just emotional, but a kinesthetic experience. When I say kinesthetic, feelings in my body that I didn't expect to experience during a past life regression. There was definitely a very strong floating feeling as always floating through space. People can say, is that your imagination? The feelings I felt were not my imagination. I knew that going through it. And then my father during the regression, when I connected with him, referenced a specific ring that only he could have known about. We're talking about a confirmation. That was a confirmation for me. But when you're going through the experience and you're connecting at that level and experiencing what you're experiencing both kinesthetically and emotionally, it's a confirmation in and of itself. That's the best way I can describe it to you. Because it's one thing to see things, it's another thing to feel things in your body and to sort of emotionally experience what you experience. Does that make sense? Yes. And it reminds me of something. I don't know if we had a chance to talk about this before, but did you ever have any experience with mediums? Did you visit one? I've gone to a couple of mediums here and there. I have. I think there's an interesting parallel. Often people go to mediums to try and connect with loved ones like you did. I think the past life regression, maybe a parallel is not the greatest analogy, but still you can access things that you didn't know about or you didn't expect. And having gone to mediums, there's one that I can think of now, like going to, she described in detail what my parents look like, things that nobody could have known unless she had some sort of contact with the other side and with them. On the same token, when you do a past life regression or a life between lives regression, you can connect on a level that sort of confirms for you that you're with those souls. So there is that definite parallel there. And in fact, there are some mediums who refer clients over to me. And even if they don't refer them over to me, I get people call me all the time saying, you know, medium told me I had this past life, so I need to work through something. And even though they weren't referred to me directly or specifically because they've had this experience with a medium. I think it's very appropriate that practitioners in different spaces like mediums and psychotherapists, psychologists, and so forth, are actually starting to collaborate 
and refer people back and forth. I think we're going to see more of that, don't you think? I do. I, I'm seeing it more and more now, and I think it's only going to grow even more than that. I just think this is just sort of a need. We're able to help people in a way that they're not, and they're able to help people in a way that maybe we're not. Good combination. So going back to your experience, you mentioned that you connected with them. It's not a common occurrence in a past life regression session, is it? It's not. It does happen sometimes. As a practitioner, what I find is that what the person needs to experience, that person will experience. So whether it's a past life memory, whether it's an experience from that space between lives, whether it's something from the womb before they were born, even a current life memory, if there's something in their current life that sort of leaves them stuck in some way, that might come up as well too. Whatever needs to come up comes up. And I think that's what I needed at that time. And that's why I had that connection. It's not a common thing. I didn't have an expectation going into it at all. In fact, if somebody were to call me today and say, well, I want to do a past life regression with you. Do you think I'll connect with my parents or my loved ones who have passed away? My answer might be, well, I don't know. I wouldn't make that assumption. Whatever you need to experience will come up for you. What were your beliefs in the afterlife before your journey into past lives and life in between lives and your practice in general? I think my earliest beliefs were that I believed in the idea of reincarnation. I didn't think of it like it's heaven and hell, but I didn't really have an idea what that space would be like, to be honest with you. What did surprise me as I both learned about it in being trained and obviously experienced it as well too, is that it's a space of no judgment. It's acceptance, it's love, it's pure is a, is a good way to describe it. It's just a pure space where there is no judgment, just sort of like a very neutral, healing, pure space, if that makes sense. As in pure consciousness, perhaps. I've Correct. heard that from not only past life regressionists or hypnotherapists, but other people that could be a shaman, it could be a medium, it could be an energy healer. People I've talked to on the show have basically demonstrated that there's more than one way, one route to get to that space. You mentioned the life in between lives space, which I know Dr. Michael Newton wrote some pretty incredible books about, Journey of Souls, which really it sounds too good to be true. Should we talk a little bit more about past lives before we do that, or should we just jump right into the in-between space? Well, let's talk a little about past lives first, and then we'll transition into the life between lives. I can imagine for some people, including myself, it could be a little confusing. Sure. Let's do that. When somebody does a past life regression, the past life memories that are directly impacting their lives now tend to come up. So let's just say an important lifetime with a, a family member that they incarnated with now, they might go to that lifetime, right? So I'll give you an example. I had a woman come to see me and she just said, I'm super protective, overprotective of my son. I know it's not healthy, but I can't help myself. And sure enough, she goes to a past life memory where this child was, I think her daughter in that lifetime, if I remember correctly, and the daughter was killed and she couldn't save her daughter essentially. And that one experience created that need to be overprotective in her current life. By experiencing that memory and essentially allowing, processing it, reframing it a little bit, she was able to let that go, to not be as protective as she was prior to the session. I'll give you another example that's completely the opposite. I had somebody come to me, and she had, I think it was a brother-in-law, who she just didn't feel comfortable with. He didn't do anything to her, nothing, but she just had this feeling about him. And sure enough, in a past life, he killed her in a past life. And she was holding on to that. And after the session, she was able to interact with him on a level she was never able to before, because that was that lifetime, and this is another. And that was a different, I call it a play, it's, it's a way of describing what we agree to do in a lifetime. So I'm going to play the good guy. I'm going to play the bad guy. I'm going to play the you know, the needy one or whatever it is I agree to play in this lifetime so that you can grow, so that I can grow, so we can grow from the experience. That's what I'm going to play for you. It's almost like actors on a stage, but we are given free will to do what we want to do, but we're, we're inclined to sort of be a certain way in a lifetime, if that makes sense. But for her, after that session, 
the dynamic completely changed. It's a healing of sorts, isn't it? It is. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. What you just mentioned is a proper segue into the in-between space because you mentioned soul contracts or agreements yeah. where, like you mentioned, I'm going to be the good guy. You're not. You're going to be this. You're going to be whatever. The girl that breaks my heart or right. someone that takes me on a job to rob a bank and I get killed, whatever it is. And I've heard it's like casting a stage play or a movie. Yeah, there's an agreement in place. And they say, well, okay, in this lifetime, I'm going to play this role in your life and you're going to play this role in that other person's life. And we make that agreement ahead of time, knowing that by doing this, by having these experiences, we're going to grow as a soul from the experience. It's for the entire group. It's not just for the, the one person. Correct. Right? I think Michael Newton called them soul families or soul groups. The Long Island Medium says, life is like an episode of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Everyone changes costumes and characters, but at the end of the night, everyone hugs. That lends itself to the analogy of the stage play or the movie where it's like casting and you have a role, you have a job. We all agree to play these roles, play these roles. And, and there's a value and a learning in being, whether it's a thief, whether a clergyman, whether it's you know an accountant, or to play the good guy, the bad guy, the needy person. We want to try all these different roles on. We want to try all these different costumes on, as you like to describe them. And by wearing these costumes, and playing these roles, we're learning and growing as a soul. Now, with your sessions, do you ever record them? I record all of them. You record all of them. That must be quite an experience for, let's say someone goes through a regression and maybe they're in a trance or they fell asleep. Has anyone ever said, I don't remember anything? Then you play the tape back and they get to experience it all over again. Has that ever happened? It's only happened once. Most people remember what they experienced during the session. I will say that. It's really interesting to hear back from clients a couple months later, and they watch the video again because time has passed and they want to watch it. Then they describe to me the connections they made after the session. When I say connections, the realizations they came to. They've had some time to sort of soak it in, process what they experienced, the whole thing. So for them, it's, it's an invaluable thing to have the video, even if they remember every single part, every single minute of the session. But I have had... So for them, it's an invaluable thing to have the video, even if they remember every single part, every single minute of the session. It is rare, I'll say that, to have somebody speak in a different language, but I've had it happen a couple of times. I have heard of cases where someone went through a session and they said nothing happened. And then the therapist would play back the recording. tape, the recording. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes their voice would change. And when I think about your experience, you're trying to figure out None. what happened to your parents just like millions of other people, like what happened to my brother or my mom or a friend? And you had no idea that they were going to come through. But I've been told it's a genuine feeling like it's unmistakable. It's like a recognition. It's hard to describe it any other way, but you automatically know this is who they are. It's almost like that familiar feeling you have when you see somebody or you, know, you can even compare it to something you enjoy eating as a child. It's sort of like, oh my God, that brings you right back. But there's the recognition when you go into that space. Is it something like, perhaps like a deja vu or? No, I don't describe it as a deja vu. I describe it more as a, like a loving connection. They're there to greet you, by the way, back. They are. The, yeah, they are. There's actually a portion of each session when I'm talking about life between lives now, where it's pretty common to have this whole family, soul group to greet you, essentially, welcome you back to that space after incarnating and having that experience on earth. And they're so happy to see you. It's almost like a party in a way. They're so excited and so happy. And it's, it's like seeing a long lost friend. So it's the same idea, but of course to your family. And it's an even deeper connection. Everyone loses someone at some point. 
for the people that go through the grieving process, I don't think they can hear that enough. And it also reminds me of deathbed visitations, which happens obviously right before that. I've been told there's thousands and thousands of cases where someone's in hospice and they start talking to a deceased relative. I know that's not your line of work, but do you have any insight into that? How we know that's real and it's not the drugs or the morphine or anything that's actually causing a hallucination. There's no way for me to sort of confirm this for you, but it's my belief that this starts to happen even six months before somebody passes away, if they're ill. I'm not talking about if it's an accident. And it's interesting that you bring that up because I just lost my father-in-law a short time ago, and he was progressively getting weaker and weaker, but he started to have that experience more than six months before he passed away when he was on any drugs, nothing like that. He would start to say people would come to visit him, sit on his bed. So it, my belief is it's almost like a preparation, letting you know, hey, we're going to be here for you. We're going to help you cross over. Help you cross over. And it, and it may not be time now, but it will be soon time for you to do that. When that happens, we're going to be here for you. And that's my belief anyway. It's actually a very common belief amongst hospice workers because they see it all the time. I know it happened with my mom. She was talking to my grandfather, asking my grandfather, would you like some more wine? <laughs> I wasn't there, but my sister was there. And I thought people that are in that space, they'll tell you, yeah, it happens all the time. When you talk about preparation, I've never heard that before. That kind of communication happens months in advance. Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that the proverbial veil is getting thinner? Yeah, and there's a belief, which I subscribe to, that the veil is very thin, if there at all, when you're first born. And also as you prepare to transition, transition from this life. So I do believe that's the case. So that veil is thinning at that point. And so you're able to connect with other souls and they're there for what's coming. Maybe not part of this conversation necessarily, but I think hospice people do God's work. I just think the work that they do is amazing. No uh, question. Just, you know, just as a side note. That experience of the deathbed visitations, I think the more people that hear that this happens all the time, it's not the drugs, it's not their imagination any more than a near-death experiencer flatlines and watches the people in the operating room and can tell exactly what they did. How do you explain that? No, you don't. And just to that point for a moment, every single time I do a past life regression, there's a death scene as well, too. Okay. And without fail, they float out of the body and they watch what happens as they pass away, almost as if floating above and looking down. And they can describe who's there and all these different things. So they all have that in common. So they all float out of the body and some hang around longer than others, but that's what they do. And initially they watch what happens, they see themselves pass away, who's there with them, what happens next, that sort of thing. So that's something that I see almost every single session. One of my guest speakers, a medium called Jock Brokus, a very cool guy, very experienced, told me about a show called The Ghost Inside My Child. And many of these kids had not only past life memories, but they had memories of their death as well. That's got to be pretty heavy to watch. But again, how do you explain that? How does a five-year-old kid know about a death that happened 40, 50, 100 years ago, where in some cases, you can actually go back and verify if you're equipped to do the research. How do yep. you explain that? Not that it's common, but it's more common than people realize. I probably get a call once every six months or certainly once a year with a child who has past life memories who's very young, and they can describe in detail their lifetimes, and who they were, what their name was, all these different details. The only thing I can guess is that they were allowed to continue to be unveiled, have the access to information for a longer period of time than 
people have it. And there must be a reason why they're doing that. And maybe it's because they want to be able to share that information with that lifetime. I don't know. But I think there's probably some reason why they are allowed to remember that, whether it's for their sake or the people that are around them. Speaking of being unveiled for a little bit longer than normal, have any of your clients experienced a life review, like the Council of Twelve or anything like that? Yeah. So that's a pretty common experience in a life between lives regression. Council of Twelve, Council of Three, the number doesn't make a difference. That review is a very common experience and it's one that's meant to sort of review the lifetime they just had. Feedback. When I say feedback, it's not being judgmental, just saying this is some of the things that you encountered, these are some things you did and in your next lifetime, you'll respond a little bit differently to some of these types of experiences. So I find it to always be a very non-judgmental, but yet direct feedback in terms of what their life was like. The Council of Twelve, some people think of it like you're sitting there in front of judges and that sort of thing. And while they're there to critique and give you feedback, it's always positive. It's always done in a way that it's meant to make the person feel as though they did the best they can. I've heard that from other people when they talk about the life review, often it is as if someone is telepathically asking them, how do you think you did? Almost all communication in that space is telepathic. So it's just thought-based. It just sort of comes to you. Certainly, that's also a common question. How do you think you did? And what do you think about this experience? What do you think about what happened here? That sort of thing. Life between lives regression, you typically connect with your spirit guide pretty early on. You can have multiple guides, by the way, and most people do. But the primary guide is the one who usually comes with you to that review and is there with you to encourage you and to sort of listen to what's being said and hear what you have to say about your lifetime as well. I've heard of practitioners having a session and actually getting the information from that person's spirit guides or their own spirit guides rather than have a deceased person come through. During one of your sessions, could you see with your mind's eye or the third eye any spirit guides or was that pretty much the experience of your clients? It's pretty much the experience of my clients. But I will say, since I started doing this, I do get strong intuitions. And very often I'll ask questions that I don't know where the questions come from. They sort of just come to me. I just sort of ask. And they seem to be the right questions. So it's hard to explain what I'm saying to you, but essentially I'm intuitively getting information that helps me to sort of help my client through the process. I'd have the experience you just described, but that's the type of intuition that I get the client. Whether it's a past life regression or a life between lives regression, what is the farthest back in time that you've gone with any of your clients? The caveman years, certainly I've done that. Everything from ancient Egypt to Atlantis is common too. So yeah, you can go very, very far back. It's not always my goal to go so far back. It's about going to the lives that are impacting them now. That's really my goal when I do a session like that. Isn't it true that with your position and your profession as a hypnotist, your job is to actually go back to that point, whether it's yesterday or last month or when the client was six years old, to focus on a particular issue? Isn't that how I believe Brian Weiss stumbled upon a past life of one of his patients? How many thousands of years ago was it? Could be 3,000. I'm not, not sure. Really. He wasn't planning. No, no, not at all. That wasn't his plan at all. So as a hypnotist, we look to uncover the sensitizing event for whatever the challenge might be. That's what he was doing as well, too. He was looking to find what was the sensitizing event. And that just led him back to this past lifetime three or 4,000 years ago. Just to give you an example, if I may, I worked with someone who had a fear of thunder and lightning. And they went right back to a past life. The person who I was working with was a woman, but in that lifetime, she was a man, and she was in battle, hand to hand, and she was dying, leaning up against a tree, and there was thunder and lightning in the background. And that connection of dying with the thunder and lightning in the background created that phobia later on in life, which disappeared, by the way, after the Once session. Once you brought it up. Yeah, which totally resolved. 
So the unconscious mind will take you to where you need to go in these sessions. It'll guide you to what is most beneficial for you to experience. Do you also find in your practice that you can provide a remedy for something that a traditional therapist could not? Of course. So when I say, of course, if it stems, for example, from a past life, there's nothing a traditional therapist can do about that if it stems from a past life, in most cases, whether it's a phobia, whether it's a relationship pattern, whatever that might be. I had a woman who I worked with who had severe anxiety, severe insomnia. She went to a million doctors. They did the best they could, but she did a past life regression and the sensitizing events came up. We addressed them and she was able to overcome her anxiety. So if it stems from a past life, I can be of tremendous value. Do you think this kind of therapy is going to grow in popularity as people begin to realize that it's just not hokey, nonsense, woo-woo stuff? It's actually credible and it's real? You know, I do. And I think as people share their experiences with others, which is typically how this goes, you know, you get the word out. I get people who come to me who are skeptics, and I'm okay with that. It's okay to be a skeptic, and there's nothing the matter with it, actually, until you experience it. But then they go through the process, and if it brings value, then they're going to let somebody else know, and they're going to try it out, whether it's with me or somebody else. In your training with Brian Weiss, that must have been fascinating. What was he like, and what was the training like? He's, he's a very old soul and a very gentle soul as well, too. You go through these exercises, obviously, where you, you do it yourself and you also practice on other people. And that's part of the training, of course. It's really some of his insights and his stories that are memorable and just his approach. He's an amazing guy who's doing this for many, many years. And right now he doesn't do any more one-on-one, but he does them in he groups at this point, I think. He's an amazing guy who's had amazing experiences, brought this to the forefront, if you will. He did. His books, like I told you before, sound too good to be true. I was reading it and I thought, this is so cool. Dr. Michael Newton. Did you study with him or at the Institute? No, I, I didn't get a chance to study with him because by that time he was already semi-retired. So I studied that. I call it an Institute and that's what they call it as well too. But it was obviously his trainers. They have groups that, that train people regularly. I was fortunate enough to train with them. With you training in, to become a past life regression hypnotist or to learn life between lives, you, you experience it as well too during these trainings, which is just amazing. So you facilitate it, you experience it. It's just an amazing experience. So you have experienced it not just as a practitioner, but also as a participant. Can you share maybe one of those examples with us? For me, it's more about the feeling. It's a feeling of freedom. When I say freedom, I don't mean like freedom from like chains. I just mean when you're no longer in the body, sort of floating there through space, it's just like nothing I've ever experienced before. I had an experience as I was transitioning into that space between lives where it almost like the sun started to rise in front of me. And I was just blown away by the experience. When you're in that space and your information about your soul history and the many lifetimes you've had and your progression and learning more about your soul group, profound doesn't do it any justice. People who do life between lives regressions, the one thing they always describe it as as a profound experience, it almost always changes their perspective in terms of how they look at life. There's so much more to it than just this costume that we're wearing, right? This role that we're playing. So if we're actors like I believe we are, we're going to go back behind the set pretty soon and say, okay, what am I going to do next time? So Yeah. That brings up another important question. We've got the idea about the stage and the roles. And again, it sounds a little bit too good to be true, but maybe it's a lot more work than I think it is. What has your experience and the testimony and the content of the sessions taught you and the rest of us about karma? It's my belief based on the work that I do that karma is a little bit misunderstood. So yes, we're meant to experience both sides of the car. So in other words, if we kill somebody, we're meant to also experience what that's like to maybe be murdered by somebody. And yes, you can hold on to certain things through lifetimes because you've been wrong. 
But the idea really is, in my opinion, is to let all this stuff go. Okay, so you stole $100 from me in my past life. Okay, well, that was the role you agreed to play. Whether I'm rich now or I'm poor now, if I'm healthy or I'm sick, this is what I'm meant to experience. Now, it's hard to do that in the moment. If you're going through a difficult time, it's hard to say, okay, well, this is what I'm meant to experience. So for me, it's less about karma, more just about experiencing what we're meant to experience, if that makes any sense. It does. I've heard people say there is no good, there is no bad, there is just experience. And as you said, you have to, in order to tell the truth, you have to learn how to lie. <laughs> in order to experience love, you have to experience hate. Because if your life had no conflict whatsoever, it would just be a vanilla existence and be pretty boring because you didn't have any testing that you had to overcome. What would be the purpose anyway? There wouldn't be. Reincarnation, past lives, the cycle, life in between lives... It's pretty obvious that you not only believe it, but you've actually seen enough where you think it's pretty much a given. It's absolutely a given. For those people who go through it, who decide to try past life regression, life between lives, the very least they're going to walk away with is saying, wow, there's much more than I thought there was. and Death is not the end. And just that in and of itself is priceless as far as I'm concerned. It is. Just to know that there's more to this and what happens when we die. It's just, to me, it's priceless. So and it makes it like maybe 1% easier. And over time, I think it helps heal wounds a little bit better, am I right? Absolutely, absolutely. And if we're playing these roles, why do we want to hold on to animosity, hatred, whatever it is that we're dealing with in our lives, just not worth it, right? So in other words, if we're angry at somebody, is it worth holding on to, regardless of what they did or they didn't do to us? Do you think that for those people that let go of the animosity, do you think that lets them escape the wheel of karma? Or is that not necessarily true? I don't know if that's true or not, but it certainly makes their lives easier, I think. Yeah. So when you use the word karma to me, it's like if you can learn to sort of accept certain things that are hard to accept, mm -hmm. that's one more lesson. Maybe it's one more thing you don't have to go through in a different lifetime. So from that perspective, that's how I describe that. Anything else on this topic that you think our listeners should know about? Anybody can have the experience. In terms of success rate, it's really, really high. I mean, in the high 90s for me, it's rare that somebody doesn't have the experience. And if you're curious, find somebody, you know, maybe nearby or whatever and just do it. Excellent. Ellie, thanks for joining us today. Excellent, excellent information. This type of thing has a lot of value. How can our listeners find more about you online? Sure. So I have a website, tryhypnosisnow.com. I will put that in the show notes and the transcript as well. You've been listening to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing. You can also leave us a review on iTunes as well. For more info, please go to closertovenus.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.